So Money episode 92, millionaire matchmaker Patty Stanger. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Welcome back to So Money. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. I'm really excited for today's guest because it's really indulging my guilty pleasure. My guilty pleasure is an entire channel. Um, It's known as Bravo TV. Perhaps some of you can relate uh, from The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, especially, to watch what happens live with the adorable Andy Cohen. I'm a Bravo fan. I'm not going to lie. And today we have one of my favorite Bravo celebrities, millionaire matchmaker Patty Stanger. She is the star and executive producer of the network's hit series, The Millionaire Matchmaker, which currently ended its eighth season. Now, if you've never watched the show, Patty connects high net worth clients with women seeking love. And the idea being that busy, successful men don't have time or the wherewithal, frankly, to really make a meaningful connection on their own. And so that's where Patty comes in. She flips it sometimes too. I've watched her match millionaire women with men. And she's also connecting same-sex couples, which is wonderful. What I admire most about Patty is probably her business savvy. She's an experienced third-generation matchmaker She founded her company, The Millionaire's Club, back in January of 2000. And now, 15 years later, it boasts more than 100,000 members available for its clients. Now, prior to launching this business, Patty served as the director of marketing for Great Expectations, one of the oldest dating services in the country. And early in her career, she spent 10 years in the fashion industry. She's also an accomplished author, columnist, radio show host, And recently, she has entered the wine industry. Some takeaways from our time with Patty. One, how not listening to people actually helped propel her career. How a $300 pair of jeans when she was only 12 years old kind of was her aha moment. It was her financial moment, her big so money moment. And the prosperity game that she plays with herself and that she teaches others and involves writing yourself blank checks and how that leads to prosperity. I love this interview with Patty Stanger. Here we go. Patty Stanger, welcome to So Money. Such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. I'm a big fan of the show. Millionaire Matchmaker, congratulations on season eight. That's, uh, yeah, season eight just hit. That's, yeah. Last night was our finale. Super excited. Yeah, yeah. So you've been doing this now, again, eight seasons. Yeah. Uh, uh, when you first got into this, was there anything that you were um, sort of concerned about or worried about? Anything that surprised you along the way? I mean, given that you've had such experience with this, a lot of shows don't go through season two, let alone season eight. Mm-hmm. Right. No, I completely understand. It's the, it's the, it's a very unusual show because it originally started about my business, and although it's not a docu like The Housewives, it had a format to it. You know, I had done this small little thing called the Millionaire's Roundtable, which became the Mixer, one tenth of my business to kick it off back in the day in the um, in the early you know about two thousand two thousand one, and CNN got wind of it, blew it up, obviously got me exposure, and it became the whole show. The mm-hmm. mixer. And, you know, it's so funny. I went to see Cinderella last week with Fran Drescher was starring in it. And she invited me. And I realized, you know, when they made the ball for the prince, okay, yeah. it was the mixer because it was 25, you know, 50, 60 women and one guy, and they're trying to find him his wife. 
So that was probably the original mixer that we all recognize in Cinderella. And, you know, it became a phenomenon. Bachelor mm-hmm. does something similar. Um, it took off. But I think the fact that I was very straightforward, I had a philosophy, I knew what I was doing. My grandmother and my grand, you know, my mother were matchmakers. And I didn't deviate from my, from my plan. I didn't change as the, as the times changed. I basically kept old-fashioned values. And I told people to their face what they did wrong, which every girl and every guy on a date wants to do. They just don't have the guts to do it. The millionaire matchmaker. You're not the like six-figure matchmaker. You're not the five-figure matchmaker. Uh, no, but I mean, a millionaire is a lot of money. I know this sounds horrible. And for those in the Midwest or other parts of flyover country, I'm not putting you down. It's just that in California, you can't, you can't really buy a house for a million dollars anymore. And so the millionaires came originally from L.A. and Vegas and, you know, parts of the West. And then even Vancouver, and then it started to, you know, become the East Coast and on the show. But I have always serviced internationally, Paris, London, Spain, you name it. And they were big shot, fat whales like you see in Vegas who, you know, gamble at the tables big time. And so I was used to high volume money. Even when I worked at Great Expectations, the largest dating service, they always gave me the guy who had a lot of money who was like very, you know, nasty and insistent that he wanted his girl yesterday. And so I, I was able to handle him like nobody else. So I got a specialty under my belt. That's really how it started. And yes, we do have high volume wealth, but we also have, we call them MITs, millionaire trainings, trust fund <laughs> kids, guys who just made a few bucks in their pocket, who, you know, uh, basically, you know, saved well, so to speak, over the years. Regular Joes, Calabasas guys. Yeah. And you're expanding. I love that you're expanding now to female millionaires and you're pairing up same-sex couples. I'm more interested in the women millionaires. And from your perspective, what's the best male match for them? Is it necessarily somebody who is, who is as ambitious, as wealthy? Um, yes, they need an alpha male, which Do is they? really hard. Yeah. Because alphas will kill each other, but it needs to be a blend. I like to tell women to be alpha at work and beta at home which is really interesting because it, it takes practice. It doesn't happen overnight. If you're used to running your life and you've scared all the men away, you might have to go beta Susie Homemaker at home and really know how to switch gears and detox because most alpha men do not like an alpha woman telling them what to do. It's really important advice for today. I think as a woman who makes more than her husband, it's important mm-hmm. to remember that you're a woman and to step mm-hmm. into your femininity. And that's not a message that we get a lot. We get the, we get the message that we have to lean in and and right. I, I, I respect those messages, but let's remember that, you know, men are men and women are women. Yes, totally agree. And the other thing I think is that um, it's not losing your power. You're not anti-feminist because you've softened when you come into your sanctuary. Mm-hmm. You know, I hate these feminists that say, oh, I don't want my car door open. Oh, I don't want them making a reservation in a restaurant. Well, I do. And I did not really, you know apply or basically support burning the bra. I need mine to lift me up and I want a man to be a man to my woman. I like to be doted on, don't you? Absolutely. What's wrong with it? Like what, where does this, now when it comes to equal pay for equal dollar, that is a completely different story. That has nothing to do with anything. That's just human rights and that's the way it's supposed to be. It's not even feminism. It's just every person who actually, male, female, I don't care if it's a donkey and does the work (laughs) to get paid. You know what I mean? Well, what you're, what you're educating people on is how to really make the relationship work. And so often the message is about how to make work work and business work and your career right. work. And it's like, it's a whole different skill set, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so thank you for that. And I admire you so much, Patty, not just because of, you know, your, your willingness to go there and to really say things that 
are so true, but we, and we need to hear them, but sometimes it's not politically mm-hmm. correct, frankly. Right. Um, but you're a phenomenal businesswoman. So I want to transition you. now. You're welcome. Okay. And talk a little bit about what's new on your plate. You're, you're working now in the spirits sector. Yeah, so I've, I've owned Taikusaki for a while. It was a very male-dominated business. And a lot of us left the company, even though I'm still an equity shareholder. Um, and I decided to open my own company with Prairie Creek, which is a wine. It's called PS Match. Um, you can find a new local grocery chain. We have two flavors, a sweet red sparkling from Italy and a wonderful, wonderful Chardonnay. If you like white wine, this is a little different twist to it. It's got a hint of green apple from Napa. We'll also have two more flavors in the fall, one Cab and one Prosecco. And I serve wine at my mixers. So it was a very extension uh, like of my brand. I don't. I love hard alcohol. I'm a tequila girl. But sometimes you can get really cray-cray on <laughs> Not at the mixers. Yeah. yeah, wine kind of mellows you out, and you kind of get clear-headed, you know, if you don't overdrink it. And I still have, believe in my two-drink maximum. But um, the wine has a lot of ingredients in it that are known to be a little, to get you a little bit juicy-goosey or shitty-woody, if you will. It, we can't say it because of the FDA that, you know, we have aphrodisiacs in there. But there's a lot of, like, compliments. That really? Vanilla, the FDA doesn't yeah, allow that? Chocolate. Yeah, they have rules. They have rules. They don't want you to think that this is going to, you know, get you, you know, an erection. It's not Viagra, right? Right. Right. But it has a, I've studied a lot of aphrodisiac cooking, and I did want certain kinds of berries in there and things like that, and cherry and things like that. Um, and the other thing is, it's, it's a really nice wine because the first one's sparkling. So I put, like, acai pomegranate, you know, frozen acai pomegranate, and I make, like, mimosas with it. It's, it's the kind of drink that you can actually make um, cocktails out of, not just straight wine. Oh, you could drink it straight, and, and you can chill it. So a I lot of things, that. we're coming up with a drink book. And we're getting more extensive. We're probably going to go into the cocktail wear business and make glasses and stemware and things like that. Well, it's very on brand. Thank you. And you're a real entrepreneur. What would you say, Patty, is your biggest financial philosophy? This is now transitioning us to my Um, so many questions. Don't listen to anybody else and do your research. Can you give us an example? I'll give you an example. When I started Millionaire's Club, I had been a matchmaker for like, I don't know, 15 years. And I came to California, and I was only doing it to get out of credit card debt because I really wanted to be a screenwriter. And a friend of mine was trying to do something similar with wealthy men on a boat, like a, like a cruise around uh, the marina in L.A. And she said, I couldn't get this off the ground. It cost me a fortune. It'll never work what you're going to do. I said, watch me. And I did it. And my gut and my burning passion for it came stronger and stronger as I researched. And I went to every matchmaker in town. I'd work with them. I knew who they were. I said, what are you, what are you not missing the gate? Most people took money from both sides of the street. You know, I decided to work with men and subcontract my females and my gay community to specialists in that area. And then we formed one corporation together. So I handled men. Another person handled the millionaires. This another person handled the gay community, which worked perfectly because we all had our specialty. And everyone told me it would never work, never work. They told me I'd never get a reality show. I'd never get on television. I mean, it just kept saying no, 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 no. And I was like, yeah, watch me. And I listened to my gut. And then I did the research. The industry was growing by leaps and bounds. Uh, Match.com and J-Date were just out there. Millionaire Match was not too far behind. Niche dating was becoming the hottest thing. Look at Farmers or Us right now. Who who knew this? (laughs) They had their own song even. Right. And um, eHarmony and all these people weren't there yet. And we realized that 56% of the population in America was getting divorced and that women were aging 
and living longer than men, 10 years, if not 12 years, and that we were going to outlive our men, and what are we going to do? Are we going to stop dating when we're in our 70s? It's ridiculous. So 110 million people in the United States are single, and it grows every single year. And they need a place to go. Mm-hmm. And I knew and it's it not called- Tinder. Right. And it wasn't, this was, there wasn't even Tinder, Tinder, Grindr, none of that existed. I knew that Silicon Valley hadn't really hit the fortitude because when you go to match.com, the average median age is a 46 year old. He's spending 29.95, but Tinder is free. They didn't realize they could get the analytics and they can get the advertising going and Twitter could become dating. Facebook could become dating. Look at the Facebook phenomena. He was supposedly going to make it a dating site. Why he never did is beyond me because that's his next, the next thing he should do. But the bottom line is there needs to be a place for people to go. They're getting lazier. Their phone, they live on their phone. They don't even look up anymore. And I knew the future was definitely going to be in technology. I told my company at Great Expectations that you need to take your business, go online, make it an exclusive club like Stellahouse, and let everyone in the world date there. And they told me I was crazy. Hmm. Now where's great expectations? Right, right. right. What? Say they what? were the originals. They were the originals. They were the largest and oldest dating service in the world. Well, this is yeah. in your DNA, right? You're a third generation matchmaker, a daughter of an estate jeweler as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your earliest memory of business, of money? When did you get that taste? <laughs> I, I wanted a really expensive pair of $300 jeans when I was 12. Now, can you imagine? 300 What the heck? I, it was like couture jeans that you can only get in Canada. And my girlfriend had them. She, her family was very wealthy. And I said, Dad, I want these. She's like, look, I'll buy you like $50 jeans, but I'm not buying $300. If you want the $300, you're going to have to work for it. So he made the Cartier tank watch. And there was these little bezels on the side that you have to put into the tank. And he had, he had to go through individual ones for inclusion to see if they were right. And he would literally bring them home to me and make me look through the loop and teach me how to look at a gem. And then I got paid for it. Wow. And then I got the jeans. Yeah. I Good remember walking you. up to school with those, you know, those amazing, Holy. they were like couture jeans and nobody had them. If you, you know, maybe you saw them in the Vogue, but you know, I'm 12 and this was a big deal in seventh grade. People were like, where'd you get those? You know, $50 I jeans would have been a big deal. Had. Fashion was my passion. That was my crack. So whatever, jewelry, clothes, wow. anything in that world, I was going to do anything to get it. You know, although my mother always tells me you can't, you can't, you can't melt down a dress, but you can melt down gold. Amen. Yeah. Let's talk about failure and then we'll talk about success. But I'd like okay. to ask my guests their biggest financial failure. I don't think it's a failure, but I think my book was, was depressing to me. I wrote this amazing book and it was going to be the Bible of dating. It still sells today. And I was really upset because it came out the day after the market crashed in November in 2000. I think it was nine or something. And Oprah took Oprah. I had been on Oprah and she really loved me, but she took Steve Harvey book as her go-to book for that January. And I had come out in November and I just felt like it didn't get its due. But every month I get emails from girls all over the world saying they read the book and they think it's phenomenal. And now we're, I just got the foreign rights back and it's never been in any other country other than Greece and France and uh, China. And now we're going to take it internationally. I just felt like that was like a slow like a, like almost a, a slow late burn, bloomer, a late, a late bloomer. Like, mm-hmm. and I want to turn it into a, into a movie or a series. And it just, it seems like this is the one thing that I've had the hardest time. I'm not sure I was meant for the book community. I'm very TV and film. And so it's not, I didn't get the right advice. My, I won't name names, but people gave me who worked at the company who I did it with gave me terrible advice, like horrible. Like oh, don't go to book festivals. Uh, don't do book signings. Like I didn't know you oh, needed no. to sell five to 7,000 Tuesday to Tuesday to get on the New York Times bestseller list, which by the way is the Academy Awards for books. 
Like, I didn't know any of this. And I felt like out of my element, almost. Like, I needed an education, you know? And I had friends who were in the book business, and they didn't even know how. My agent didn't give me any information. It was a really rough time for me. So I think that's the one that I always feel like, and I still work at it. The thing is, I never gave up on that book. To this day, I still work at it, try to get it out there. I did the audio version, which, as you know, if you ever do a book, it's like three days of agony. Yes, you yes. Say, you well, read the whole book. I would bet yeah. you're selling more books than somebody who did make the New York Times bestseller list that month. Well, I, because, do, I do monthly. Yeah. It's just that it wasn't cumulatively from yeah. a Tuesday to Tuesday. And so now with international, it has never been in any other country. And they have to literally go to Amazon and take the English version. So now I can translate it, you know, send it to Brazil, Spain, whatever, and do it that way. But it was it was a tough tough thing for me. And I wrote that book with a label of love and it got critical review. That was amazing. It just was a terrible day. It was the day after the market. Yeah. Yeah. So no failure, just a a late bloomer, a late bloomer. And I think failure really isn't failure. Every failure I've ever had, like I own a a website called attracting a soulmate.com, which is subliminals. And we make steady money every month. We're not going to be millionaires from it, but we make steady money. And you know what it was for? It was for helping people overcome their subconscious in the negative playing field of love. If you constantly think you can't have love, well, then guess what? That controls the show. So people are like, well, it's not a big moneymaker. And I'm like, yeah, but it's helping people. Mm-hmm. It's like my clinic for people who are, you know, can't get from point A to point B and have like a diagnosis of depression in love. And this, this particular subliminal program works. It's just that it's, most people don't know about subliminals. It's not a mainstream item. Well, that's okay. That's okay. You're getting and probably it's not medita- And I'm a big meditator. So there's a lot of meditation and hypnosis on hmm. there. Yeah. Let's talk success. Okay. You've success had so many. My, okay. I, well, first it was my business. When Clinton was in power, I had more money than I can count and cash flowing through my veins. It was like, and I always paid the IRS. I was one of those girls like, don't mess with the Fed. Be honest. Tell the truth what you make and pay. I never was like putting it under the mattress or anything like that. I was very clean with my money. I believe you earn it the right way, you make even more money. Um, business has always prospered. We are known as, there's three categories, food, sex, and drugs that will always be in business even in a bad economy. We were in the sex department, only we were considered legal sex where you didn't, you know, go, I, I, I didn't arrange two people to have sex together. In fact, it had to be a mutual consent and I got out of the way because I'm all about monogamy. But the one thing I can say is no matter what happens, Clinton, the 9-11, biggest day in business was the day after the banks opened in 9-11. It's fluctuated with more online people, but we seem to always find our client, the one that wants personal attention, just like if you're going to hire a headhunter for business. We've been the most successful in that, in the millionaire market business. And then I would say, um, I would say my television show. I mean, I've always, you know, for four years, five years, I went out and I did like these two o'clock in the morning CNN live satellite when a couple broke up. Jennifer Aniston broke up with Brad Pitt. I was the one they called and said, what's going on? And I always picked up the phone for all the tabloids. I gave them my direct number, which probably my publicist is going to kill me for. <laughs> but I, when something happened, they knew to call me, and I started to negotiate my terms. Like if I had a product and I wanted to promote it, I'm like, okay, if you want this, you got to give me that. And I was really always on top of my game, which I think a lot of people don't treat this as a business. I wasn't into the fame factor. I was into longevity. Yeah. It's a, it's a marathon. It's a hustle. Yeah. And it's also about money. You need to work smart, time efficient. If something's not working for you, discard, move on to the next thing. I never took business personally. You can't take it personally. I mean, there have been times where I've like wanted to scream at people that I've worked with because they've treated me so poorly. 
And at the end of the day, I said, well, I'm making money. My family's happy. Like, I just like, you got to look at the positive and really appreciate what you have because so many people want to be in your position. Oh, oh, absolutely. Thank you for saying that. What's your so money ritual, Patty? Like a financial habit or a behavior or okay, a ritual? You're going to laugh. So there's this <laughs> game called the prosperity game and I give them out as gifts and you make a fake checkbook. Okay. And it's from Abraham Hicks, which is my favorite place. I do law of attraction. They wrote the book, Ask and It Is Given. Best book you'll ever read. And it's kind of like the law of attraction with money. But here's the secret. Most people don't write big checks for themselves. And when they write a check, they get depressed. And they're like, oh, my God, I'm losing money. And, oh, my God, there goes my rent and blah, blah, blah. And they can't write some things that they want. So I make a fake checkbook. And on the first of the month, I deposit $1,000. And on the second, I deposit 2000 And every day, I go up, 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 and I write checks. And when business is slow, I buy people gifts. Uh, like if my salespeople are doing really poorly that month, I'll write them a commission check or a gift. And um, if you want to manifest something like your wedding, you get the great car. A friend of mine's playing right now, and he wants a Tesla. So he says, "Look, I got to get to 100,000 because that's what it's that's what it is. You don't do payments with Tesla." I said, "Okay, then keep depositing so you hit to the 100." And then the mind doesn't know which is imagined or which is real. Sooner or later, you transition to the place like, "Did I really buy that, or was that in the fake game?" Hmm. And Esther, she tells a great story. She's the creator of the, of the, of the game with Abraham, who she channels. She said that um, one day her and her husband went to a big, big county fair, and they really were buying a farm. And they were looking at all the tractors and things like that. And she had played the game where she, won, where she bought herself a tractor, the state-of-the-art tractor. Well, they, they put their uh, money in the door, and, you know, you get those little coupons that say, you know, back, like little tickets that say, you know, you've been, you've been entered into the raffle. Yeah. They won the tractor at the state wow. fair. So lots of things come to you and you don't know how they come to you. Yeah, the law of attraction is plays a very interesting role in the world of finance. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Think and Grow Rich, you know, mm-hmm. and um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I've read all those books, but the one thing that I learned is that don't take it personal, be positive, be grateful, and visualize. Meditate and visualize because if you can see it, you can be it and you can get it. Absolutely. All right. Let's, this is, we're almost done here. I could talk to you for hours and we get so much out of it because you're, you're a fast talker. Um, so money fill in the blanks. This is fun. I'm going to start a sentence and you finish it. First thing that comes to your mind. Oh, I feel like I'm on Andy's show. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Mazel of the day. If I won the lottery tomorrow, let's say a hundred million dollars. What the first thing I would do is. Oh, the first thing that I would do is, um, open my own film corporation and make spiritual movies. Yes, and turn that book into a movie. Let me turn my book into a movie. I also want to do the Edgar Casey story. No one's ever done that. Yeah, I would. I would open my own film company with the with the best people in the business. Who would you hire? Yeah. Well, first I'd hire my showrunner Spike Van Briesen, who's amazing. He did The Hills in the City, and then we'd start going through like all the great writers that I love. You know, I maybe steal Jenny Connor from Girls or oh, some yeah. of the good ones. You know. Yeah. Wow. Dream team. The dream, one a dream team, like a dream team. Totally. The one thing, the one thing, you can only pick one that I spend my money on that makes my life easier or better. Oh, who I spend my money on is my staff. Yeah. They're expensive, but they're worth every penny and they make my life easier and better, which is like my stylist, my glam squad, my assistant. I mean, they ain't cheap, honey, get rolling out of the house. We don't just look <laughs> like this. People make us look like this, okay? I have to say your headshots on your website are gorgeous, by the oh, way. Oh, that's my favorite photographer. That's one of my really good friends, Randy St. Nichols. She does all my photo shoots. She's pretty famous. She did the Prince book. Oh, she's wow. The doll. She's a doll, yeah. Now, you started out with $300 jeans when you were 12. 
Yeah. Now I want to ask you as an adult, your biggest guilty pleasure that you spend a lot of money on. Well, okay. I collect costume jewelry, like Chanel, like vintage shit. Like you can't find. And I look online and I browse all the websites. And if, when I spot it, I get it. So I have a really big jewelry collection, but it's costume. It's, you know, I have some expensive pieces in, in fine, but I collect costume jewelry. Probably crazy. My father would roll over in the grave. Yes, I know. The he Cartier the Watchman. Yeah, but I just, I love, love gems. Sparkly, the better. Yeah. Where do you find these gems? We've gone to flea markets. We've looked online. Uh, Pallery, um, you know, like today, Guilt had a sale, vintage, and so did New York. Oh, right. And I, I'm checking every day. And then I go on really weird international sites like China and stuff, but I have to make sure they're real. It's kind of hard because you might get duds every now and then one out of five is a dud. Not real. Yeah. Well, some of the richest it's like, women... It's not like eBay where they're, they've been sourced, you know? Well, costume jewelry is really making a comeback. It has been for a while where you've got someone wearing, you know, a tank watch plus yes. like... And then like a $25 something or other I mean, thing. I'm a flea big market. fan of Hermes, big fan of Chanel, Givenchy, Lastal, like like the old school ones, you know, like we're... Like I just bought two Hermes watches that were vintage and, they, and the little watch dangles off the bracelet and I got it at a vintage jewelry... Uh, store in Beverly Hills. So I do stuff like that, you know, and that's what I splurge on. And the other thing is shoes. But what girl doesn't do shoes? I know, I mean, right? kind of boring. I mean, I have a shoe wall and I mean a wall. Wow. I, I don't, I'm not surprised. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then th- travel and travel is also my third. Mm-hmm. I have to go on a vacation at least every six to eight months. Oh, Even I was going like to say, I think you're going to say six to eight weeks. Holiday. Yeah. Like I'm just planning my next one, which is probably going to be Miraval Spa. I go there once a year to re- regroup. And so like Hawaii, this year, I really want to go to Greece in the summer. So Good for you. That. I thought you were going to say like six to eight weeks because with someone no, with your I schedule. I, I, if I, look, if, I had, if somebody could be me, I would take off. Like I'm so jealous of all the teachers when they get their summer breaks. I have like two friends that are teachers in New York, and they're like, hey, I'm off for two months. I'm taking the kids upstate New York. And I'm like, oh, I want to do that. You know, just <laughs> drop out of society. I just interviewed yeah. a guy who takes off a month every year with his kids, and they go travel. Okay, can I be? Who is he? Any single? I might have to marry. He is him. married. He's actually a marriage therapist. Oh, well, there you go. So he, he knows what he's doing. He knows exactly he's what he's doing. Um, almost done here. When I donate money, I like to give to blank because. Yeah. Well, I donate to different charities. I'm not a one-person charity. My mom died of cancer, so I was big into like City of Hope and American Cancer Society. But I'm also adopted, so I do a lot with the National Council of Adoption. And so when I do donate. I just get the tax receipt back. I'm doing a big sale for twice, and the percentage is going to be um, to charity. And then what, what's the other one we just did? Um, uh, can you do it? Look it up. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So we did a bit. We do big sales. The Kardashians did this big company, and we worked with them too. And you know, I give a lot of my clothing money when I sell it away. Hmm. So oh, yeah, you I mean, got the I'm wall of shoes. On, yeah, I'm also big in donating furniture that I don't use and electronics. And things like that. I try to get. I'm a purger. Which you should. Crazy. You should get a website like Oprah did when she gave away all her crap. I don't. I don't have the time. <laughs> so I like to give it to the people that do this. Uh, Auctions Cause was the place we had this big, huge sale with all my clothes on it, and you know, we gave a lot of stuff away. That's awesome. And last but not least, I'm Patty Stanger. I'm the millionaire matchmaker, and I'm so money because. I'm so money because um, I have faith in it. Yes. Yeah, I see. Well, Patty, I manifest anything. I love that. I love it. I'm going to start writing myself some fake checks. Okay, write yourself. I'm telling you, it's the simplest game. If you have an old checkbook or you can just make one online. I made mine online so they're bigger because I can barely see anymore. I need my glasses. 
and it's fun. I play every day. I and love that. And sometimes I just deposit, deposit. I'm at 325000 today, and I was like, what am I going to buy? Oh what am gosh. I going to buy today? Yeah. Whew. All right. I got work to do. Okay. Thank you so right. much, Patty Sanger. Pleasure. Thanks so much. Thanks again to my lovely guest, Patty Stanger, the millionaire matchmaker. For more about Patty, just check out millionairesclub123.com. She's also on Twitter, at Patty Stanger. And as a reminder, if you'd like to win a free 15-minute money session with me, just hop onto iTunes and leave a review for the show. Every Saturday, I select one new reviewer to receive a 15-minute money blitz with me and we talk about, you know, your biggest money question, career concerns, whatever's on your mind. And I've been doing this for some time now and really enjoy the, co- the one-on-one connection. So if you would like to be entered for this, very simple, just write a review and hopefully I will pick it come this Saturday. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Again, if you wanna ask me a question, just hop onto somoneypodcast.com, click on Ask Farnoosh, Ask Away. And there, of course, you can find the blog post for this uh, particular podcast as well as the transcript and all of the comments. Thanks again, and I hope your day is so money.